The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Namaste. Welcome to the Conscious Combo Podcast. I am your host and teacher, Pippa Leslie. I'm here to share everything I learn, see, and channel. This podcast is for the conscious and curious beings who are ready to dive deeper into spirituality. I am so grateful you are here. Welcome back, guys. So I'm super excited to be joined with Christina today. She is a feng shui expert and author, and I'm really excited to talk to her today because I'm new to feng shui. I don't know a lot about feng shui, so I want her to be able to tell me more about it so I can start to incorporate it in my new home in New Zealand and for you to get to know her as well. So welcome, Christina. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Me too. So my listeners know that when I'm you know, doing interviews, I like to get to know you on the interview and just try and understand your passions, your purpose, you know, your dharma on this, on, in this lifetime. So why did you choose Feng Shui, you know, or did, you know, it found you, how, how did that happen? I love how you phrased the question because that's exactly how it worked. It was Feng Shui essentially found me. Um, I actually started Feng Shui in 2012. I was living in the South loop of Chicago with my husband we had this really cool downtown apartment loft. So it was like these open ceilings. It was kind of this industrial feel with floor to ceiling windows, really beautiful view of the city. If you're familiar with Chicago, you could step out on our balcony and you could see Kamitsky Park, or now it's like US cellular field where the White Sox play. You could see, you know, the fireworks from the balcony in the distance. So it was just a really cool location. Loved, loved, loved it. However, you know, after I got married, I had sort of like this post-wedding blues, if that's even a thing. Um, I just, I had a new teaching job. I was in the best shape I had ever been. I had a really good workout regimen. Things should have been going really well from the outside. Um, but deep down, I just felt like something was missing. And so at that point, I just looked around our place, looked at the walls that were stark white and it felt kind of cold. And I thought, let's warm up the place and make it look sparkling new, or at least a little bit more welcoming. And I had heard of something called feng shui. And I just thought, let's see what this is. And maybe it will help me so that my space not only looks better, but feels better. And that was really my intention going into it when I started the Google search. And what ended up happening was I quickly found this thing called the Bagua map. And I realized that there's different areas of your home that correlate with different spaces, 
areas of your life. So I realized I had a wealth area, I had a career area, and that was really appealing to me because at the time we were kind of, we were getting out of the credit card debt from our wedding that we had downtown. But at the same time, it was like, we had a lot of dreams and aspirations and we were still kind of struggling. So I was like, Hey, let me try this. Let me design with my intention to manifest a little bit of money, maybe expand in my career and maybe even find some more fulfillment. Cause to be honest, I didn't really quite feel fulfilled at that moment in my life. And so that's essentially where the journey started. It was a Google search and I started to apply feng shui and within six months of those first applications, my husband and I found out we were having our first baby. He got a brand new job. And within a year, we actually bought our first house with grace and ease. So that's when I knew there was something to it. And I just started using feng shui ever since that point. And the rest is history. I love that. And I think I really want to ask you this question, just as like being raw and open. When you first kind of started to incorporate feng shui, were you skeptical? Did you have skeptic kind of thoughts about it? Or were you just kind of, let's just try it and and see what happens? So Pippa, I don't know what your, you know, astrology sign is or anything like that. But what I can tell you that I've learned about myself in the past 10 years is that I'm a South node Scorpio. So what that means, I'm a sun sign Libra and a North node Taurus, but those South node Scorpios are just like these mystics. Right. And so from a very young age, I've always been really into astrology. And what I didn't realize is that I've always just been very uh, an empath and sensitive to energy and intuitive and just all into the woo, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. but so I've never really second guessed anything like that. Yeah. Now I have other function practitioners I've worked with that did come into this profession as a skeptic. And then it sort of was like, let me test this out and see if I can, you know, debunk all of this. And then they turned into feng shui practitioners. So But for me, it was always kind of like, let's give it a try. And I just like, the more I've started to lean into it, the more it started to manifest. So I just never really had any doubts, I guess you could say. That's cool. Yes. I'm a son. My sun sign is Libra. I can't remember what my North and South nodes are. I need to look up my big chart that I got done two years ago. But yeah, I've, I'm, so we're both Libras. Yeah, both Libras. I've never been skeptic. I've never been a skeptic, really. I'm. I've. I've definitely, as Wayne says, Wayne Dyer. I've got a mind open to everything, attached to nothing. Like I don't, and I've kind of worked through that the last few years. I try not to have opinions on things. I kind of just go, oh, well, I'll try, and if I like it and it resonates with me, and I, you know, after getting my human design done, that kind of fell into place. About you know, if something's not a hell yes for me, I can't do it because it doesn't feel right. So. Yeah, I, I totally resonate with you. I just wanted to kind of ask that because people can kind of be like, oh, it's woo woo and it's, you know, it's too, it's too woo woo for me kind of thing, but it's, it's not woo woo for me at all. It's like completely like it's, I love it. And I think now I'm in New Zealand and I feel like this is my new home. As my listeners know, I've just been separated from my partner. So we reunited two months ago. So anything woo woo, I'm like, give me. <laughs> so I think with feng shui, and what I love about it is, you know, it's where it's from, it's origins, because I practice the Tao Te Ching. So anything that's like Eastern, I'm like drawn to. And now I'm living in the East. It's like, I think I've got the bubbling again for the, for the Eastern teaching. So 
what are the origins and the history in feng shui is, is it quite an old old technique Yes, it's over 2000 years old and it started mostly in China. The feng shui that I teach and the feng shui that I'm certified in is called BTB school feng shui, which is a little bit newer method. It came from China in the 1980s by Professor Thomas Lin Yun. And what I love about the BTB school is that it uses the front door as the point of reference for everything. So it doesn't matter what direction your door is facing or it doesn't matter what compass direction your bedroom is in. That is more of the traditional feng shui. It's literally called traditional compass method. So, um, but basically the earliest form of feng shui is called form. And pretty much all of the, I would say most all of the schools of feng shui really stem from the form school of feng shui, which is very basic. And it was just, you know, in China, they would try to build their homes so that there was mountains behind them because they found that then they had a more abundant and prosperous crops for the year and a more prosperous harvest. So that's kind of how it originated. And then now today, we look at having a mountain behind us, for example, like as I sit at my desk, it just gives me more support energetically. Mm. And there is some quantum physics and science to it where you could actually do some muscle testing and notice that you do have more strength, security, and power when you stand with a solid wall or a mountain behind you. So um, what I love about feng shui, especially the one that I practice, there are different pieces of it. Like we use the I Ching, which when you mentioned human design, it's very interesting because parts of the I Ching are sort of intertwined in human design. It's this ancient Oracle where you can actually sort of get guidance from the ancient Oracle called the I Ching, but it's spelled I Ching. And then they also use different mantras and mudras. So, you know, you just told me Pippa before this interview that you were meditating for 30 minutes. And I would be honest to say that feng shui introduced me to meditation because there's actually some different mantras and meditations and things like that, that you can do because what professor taught us is that there's three types of energy and one type of energy that we work with is our personal energy. And we need to clear our personal energy in order to be magnets for what we desire. And meditation is just one of those ways that we can do that. Yeah. I've just had a vision come into my head, as you mentioned about the magnet. Have you ever had a magnet where it's been like in, in like a load of like little bits of metal and it's stuck to the magnet. And when you pick it up, it's like rough. It just reminded me of being in school and picking it up. And there was just all these bits on the, the magnet and you had to like peel them off to like get any kind of true connection to the other magnet. I don't know why that's come into my head, but when you said that, I thought that's exactly what we're doing. You're clearing all the little crappy bits off you to fully get the magnet. And so that's probably what the feng shui is obviously doing these parts of your house, then make that magnet and that connection deeper is, is that kind of like, cause in my head now I'm thinking, okay, how I've situated this house. Cause we're renting this house at the moment until we buy, I have emigrated from the UK to New Zealand. I didn't bring any furniture with me. I just brought all my personal possessions, all my spiritual woo woo stuff and we bought a lot of furniture here. So, you know, I think 
what I'm trying to get at is that people have attachments to where they want things. So, oh, I want this bookshelf here and I want my spiritual corner here and I want my altar here. So would you have to let go of the attachments to have certain things in the home? Because right now my spiritual corner is in the northeast of my front door. So I'm thinking, do I need to change it? Do I need to put it somewhere else? Because I sit and meditate in front of that spiritual, like it's not a corner. It's like it's the back room of of the house. So that's kind of like letting go of the attachment of where I want things because it looks good there, if that makes sense. It makes total sense. And what I truly love about feng shui and the reason why I think I was so successful as a Google guru at first is because I do believe that your intention is so powerful. And the more you learn about feng shui, the more creative and flexible, I think that you can be with your design choices. So one thing I'd love to share with listeners is let's say you are at your front door of your home. Um, and for you, even if you're entering your apartment, you're entering just the front door of your apartment. When you're standing there, the far back left area is the wealth area of your home. And then the far back right area is the relationship area. And you said your, your corner of spirituality, I believe would be in the far back, right? Is that correct? Like when you're standing at the front door. So the back two positions. I love to share those two positions with everyone because they're considered power positions in feng shui. I mean, of course, everyone wants to thrive in wealth and relationships. So it it also is a good point of reference, but basically this can also sometimes confuse people, but I like to share the bag map then can also be laid on smaller areas of the home. So you have your overall floor plan, but then Pippa, if you were just to walk into the back right room and you just walk in, and I don't know if it's the room or what it is, but it, let's just say hypothetically, you walk into just a bedroom, right? The far back left area of your bedroom is your wealth area. And uh, then yeah. the far back right area of your bedroom is your relationship. So what I'm trying to say is it just really depends. Like if you really like your spiritual area and the relationship area, but you don't want necessarily to miss out on that, what you could do is just break that area down even further because there is definitely a space that's going to be really auspicious for that spirituality and meditation. I would suggest maybe the wisdom knowledge area that's going to help you to be more in tune with your higher self, your higher calling and get you aligned with that and your higher purpose. And then if you were also to go into the helpful people travel space, that's a great space to connect with your angels, guides, and, you know, um, higher self as well. So, you know, there's definitely auspicious places to put things and then you could just sort of play around with it, but you know, you always have to do what makes you happy. And I think at the end of the day, that's going to be the biggest thing. Like if it brings you joy, that's going to trump anything. I love that. Cause I'm trying to picture like my room now. So the spiritual kind of back wall in the right part of the house you know, it's got two corners, like you said. So where I've been meditating, I've literally been sat in like a triangle. So there's like the wealth and then there's the relationship. So I feel like, I don't know why, but I've, I just borrow the kid's big beanbag and I sit and it's like a triangle in the middle. And I just kind of, now I'm going to start thinking, okay, wealth's there and relationships are there. And the same, the back left of our bedroom, which is behind here is our main bedroom. So again, we and I, it's funny because I'm on the relationship side and Chris sleeps on the 
the wealth side and he's the one bringing the wealth at the moment. So I'm like, uh, we need to switch uh, sides of the bed, please. <laughs> but oh, that's, that's so all interesting. we get it. Yeah. Well, well that, there's a whole nother thing I could say about that too, in just a second. But also if your listeners want, like when you go to my site, christinahollinger.com, you can get an instant download of the Bagwa map. And I just break it down into three steps for me. Like I said, the Bagua map is what made me fall in love with feng shui. So anytime I could just introduce it to someone, it's so exciting. And I just feel like it gives people an opportunity to change their life by changing their environment, because sometimes it can feel so overwhelming just to like do the affirmations or do all these, do the journaling. And I do all those things, but when you see your environment physically changing around you, and then you can trust that all of your intentions have been heard. And now your home is supporting those intentions. That's all you have to do. You can then release it, let it go. And it's just such a a beautiful practice because it's like, all you do is your little design and you're cleaning up and all of that. And then the universe takes care of the rest and it's truly powerful. with, With the whole bed thing, I, the last few nights I've wanted to switch sides don't know why I've just been because I always sleep on the left so yeah so as you're looking at the bed I sleep on the right and he sleeps on the left and the last few we've just been away for a few nights and we've stayed in hotels and it's always the same it's always kind of like you've just said the left and the right so the last few nights I've wanted to switch and my partner's like oh I sleep better on the left because you know he cuddles me that way and I'm like okay it's just a bed okay you know but I think I wonder if that's my in a feng shui going, I want to sleep on the left because, you know, cause I, my business is just about to, you know, kick off cause I've just got to New Zealand. And so I feel like that's, that's my, my soul saying, come on, Pip, you need to switch sides with Chris. <laughs> so this is an interesting topic that comes up in a lot of my feng shui consultations, because especially with married couples who have been sleeping on the same side of the bed for like 15 years or more. Right. Cause it's, kind of like this weird thing where it's like, if you tell someone to switch sides, you're like, ask, that's a big ask, really. If you've been sleeping the same way for a long time, but what I will share with you is when you stand at the foot of the bed and you're looking at the bed, the right side is the yang masculine side. And the left side is the yin feminine side. And I don't say that to offend anyone because, you know, I, when you think about masculine and feminine energy, we all have both of those energies, right? And it's just thinking about those qualities of those energies. So the yin, the left side, the yin is the, you know, the receptive side. Yin is soft energy. It's curves, it's flow. It's being open to abundance and receiving it. Yang energy. When you look at the bed on the right-hand side, that's the masculine energy, but you know, the qualities of it would be taking action, you know, the being in the doingness of things in some senses, bringing home the bacon. So maybe even in some ways you are in that yang masculine, that side right now. And I just came out with this new course talking about bedroom feng shui and creating a manifesting sanctuary. And the reason I call it a manifesting sanctuary is because you spend a third of your life sleeping. So believe it or not, this is a very rich topic because you can truly manifest a lot just from your bed because of how you're sleeping, 
you're there so long. I have so many different adjustments you could do with the bed in order to manifest your desires, but there's definitely just some basic things you can do. And honestly, Pippa, even if you don't switch sides of the bed, like I think you could still, um, definitely do things in your bedroom. That's really going to help support your career and your dreams. I love that. And I'm excited to kind of know some of those tips because when Chris and I, so Chris is very spiritual like me. And when we were separated, the time difference was 13 hours. So it kind of could be quite difficult at times because we only got morning and evening to speak to each other. And he'll listen to this interview at a later date, but he'll, he'll be nodding and laughing at this. When we're back, when we're together physically, we sleep like logs. I mean, I don't have trouble sleeping anyway. Like, you know, I, I can fall asleep easily and I'll sleep well. Never really had trouble sleeping. But Chris, on the other hand, is was a bit of a night owl. So he would stay awake a bit later so he could talk to me for longer, et cetera, et cetera. So when we reunited, we are sleeping so much, like eight, nine hours. And I'm thinking, this is too much for me. I want to get up early and start doing my miracle morning again. And But I'll, I'm allowing myself to just be with Chris because I've been away from him so long and I just wanted the morning cuddles and things like that. So I think there's something there that we can do with this, you know, especially this these long hours that we're sleeping, like we're sleeping deeply as well. So Chris would always put the Moses code. I am, you know, the, the music on every night we do it every night and we do our I ams and Chris would usually when we were separated, go through a door and start to channel and ask for guidance. And he would wake up the next day and remember. So he, he could tell me since I've been here, he's like, Pip, I don't even remember doing my I am's. I'm just asleep, like so deeply with you next to me in the bed. So I feel like there's something there we can utilize with going into such a deep slumber. Is there something we can do right before we sleep, you know, as a couple to, to build that manifestation energy up? That's a great question. Well, th- I, honestly, the biggest thing, and it sounds so simple, but one of the biggest things you can do for yourself is put your bed in the command position which means that if you don't have a solid headboard, that would be the only thing I would recommend for listeners to get. It just, it really represents the universe having your back. And like I talked about the mountain behind you, it just makes a difference in how you sleep. So having that, and then also having the bed pretty clear of any clutter or anything underneath it, it's going to help the energy to circulate up above your head and around the bed. And I don't know if you're in the command position, if the bed is accessible from both sides, but if that's your situation, that that could be why you're sleeping so well. Yeah, we have. So I, I love LEDs. So we've spent quite a lot on our mattress. We've bought this bamboo topped gel mattress. It's just the best thing ever. And that's probably why we're sleeping so well as well. We've got I don't like clutter. So I like the house to be decluttered where, where I can. And we have two bedside cabinets, which have nothing on the top because they lift up. So that's everything's clear, but they have LEDs underneath the, the rim. So when we go to bed at night, it's like a disco room, but we have it on like red. So it kind of like brings the energy down. So we're not having bright lights at night. So I just feel that as well, that kind of setting the mood for sleep helps too. But with you saying that like we bought a lift up bed and we've got a, we've actually, it's, it's a leather bed. So the headboard is leather and it's a lift up bed, but we've put nothing underneath it. And you've just mentioned that. So I'm thinking, I don't actually want to put anything underneath it. Cause it's going to cause that blockage of energies underneath. 
Right. It's just that there's so much going on to um, rejuvenate you at night that you don't even realize just this invisible energy field that's recharging you. And you mentioned having those two nightstands. That's another thing that comes up. So just, I have to share this, you know, for the first 27 years of my life, my bed was against a wall and it wasn't because it had to be. I just think, you know, we tend to do that with kids' beds, just push it against the wall. And then you have more room in the bedroom for toys or something like that. Or in my mind, when I was a teenager or early twenties, I think I thought it made the room look bigger, but really what happens is when you put your bed against the wall, you're blocking the energy. It also is not leaving space for another partner. So you could struggle in your relationships, or if you are in a relationship, it could make you feel trapped or one partner feel trapped in the relationship. So what I think is very interesting about feng shui is that you can sometimes your home tells a story and you can decode things. And I'll walk into a consultation. For example, one time I was at this beautiful home, million dollar home plus, and I walked into the primary bedroom, gorgeous, huge California King bed and one nightstand. And I just sort of mentioned, you know, it would be really great if you could have two nightstands, that would be the best feng shui because then it would create more equality in the relationship. And it wasn't that they didn't have space for it. They just had happened to get one. And my client said, oh yeah, you know, it's so funny that you mentioned that because we totally have fought over the nightstand, like who gets it. And I have the nightstand. He's disappointed because he doesn't have a place to put his watch at night and all these different things come up, but it is, it's so interesting how, you know, feng shui is a metaphor for your life. And so you can really look at anything like that and just think, Hmm, like, is this creating equality in my relationship? Or if you're single and you want to be in a relationship, do you have pictures of single people all around your home and artwork of, you know, it's just interesting imagery tells a story, all of those different things. So sorry, I just went on a little tangent with that, but you know, there's so much that your bedroom can do for you. Um, also don't have pictures of friends or family members in your bedroom either. No, we've just got a quote on the wall and an angel above the dressing table. So the dressing table is also, it's, it's like drawers. It's not really a dressing table. It's just drawers with led lights around the top and it's just got a few ornaments. But since I got my boxes delivered from the UK, I've got loads of ornaments and I've been putting them around the house because I love my ornaments. I love Disney. So I've got loads of Disney ornaments everywhere and my spiritual corner has got all like my St. Francis statues. It's got like Wayne Dyer on there. It's got like, just, it's just a beautiful place for me to sit and just got my crystals on. So when they arrived, it just made the house so different. Like, cause it was like my energy on these things. And some of the Disney ornaments have been in the family since I was a baby, since we first went to Florida. So it was like, you know, the grounding of, of, of ornaments, how grounding it felt for them to be here with me. So I totally resonate with what you're saying. And I think where I'm at right now, because I've just literally moved my whole life across the country, across the world to another country. I think feng shui is calling at me to, to kind of, it's like a fresh start, you know, so I can start incorporating things and we have got quite a nice big home. So we've got space to put things and I've been buying indoor plants. I've been really drawn to buy indoor plants. I'll, I've got a monstera, I've got a peace lily, I've got a fiddle fig, I've got a lucky bamboo. And I'm, I've named them all. I say good morning to them all. I say good night to them all. So 
that's been really nice bringing that kind of energy into the house as well like you're bringing the you know indoor plants or other pets into the house I absolutely love that and I I don't have a bamboo plant right now but since you brought it up that's always a huge go-to for if you want to attract more wealth or prosperity in your life through like money, when you're thinking about money wise, it's a great plant to put in your wealth area because the bamboo plant actually represents the wood element and the wealth area is activated specifically by the wood element. Plus bamboo is hollow on the inside. So it represents that openness to receiving. So glad you mentioned that. That's always, people like to hear that one. And if you work at a desk, whether you're working from home or in an office, if you want to put the plant, the bamboo plant in the upper left corner of your desk, then you're activating the wealth area of your desk. So you can always do it that way too. Yeah. You can lay the bagua map on anything. You can lay it on a bedroom, (laughs) your floor plan, a desk. Yeah. We've got, I've got, the bamboo at the moment is next to the TV on the right. So I think I need to move it to the left and then maybe get another one. Cause I love them so much. It's the lucky bamboo and they all twirl. I just love them. And then I think I'm going to buy another one and put it in my wealth corner where my spiritual bit is and have it on, on that corner. Cause we've got the figgle, the, the fiddle fig is on the right hand side. So I need to kind of look into what the fig represents because that's on my relationship side. So this is where I'm going to be like Googling mad. What does this mean? And what, what does this mean? This part of the house. So I'm really excited for that. So with feng shui, if you, if someone who was listening right now, they, they could do three things right now in their home that we haven't spoke about, what would you tell them to do? Well, I would start with your front door or your entryway simply because that is called the mouth of chi and it's like the mouth of your home. And if you think about every time you open the door of your home, it's inhaling all of this fresh energy. It's where all of the new opportunities, helpful people and money and prosperity enter your home. So whether you live in an apartment or if you live in a single family home, the goal is always to make sure that your door is clearly marked and it's sort of like you want to like flag it down. So that's why I, I kind of have had gotten a little obsession with doors. Like if you kind of, if you look around in some cities there, it's just very popular to have like a, you know, a blue door or red door, or maybe you've seen purple or yellow. That is awesome. If you're able to do something like that in a single family home situation If you can't paint your door, you can always get a wreath or something that's really colorful to bring energy and draw attention to that front door space and make sure that it's clearly labeled. The second thing I would recommend to listeners is honestly what we talked about is making sure that your bed is in the command position. Highly recommend that. And I'm really just thinking back to the very first time I tried feng shui and where I found the most benefits. And I would say the final thing that I would recommend is identify your wealth area. Why not go to the far back left area of your space, spend some time there. Is it a room that you like to spend time in? How does it feel? Does it inspire you? Does it uplift you? And if not, what can you do to clean it up, to clutter it and 
bring some more positive energy to it. And so if your listeners get my free feng shui one-on-one guide, I guide you through the whole process, how to find your wealth area, how to activate it with the wood element. And then of course the water element is also going to support that space. Water equals money in feng shui. And then the third step is uh, when you get the guide is just to declutter with intention. So I actually, we made a conscious effort in our house to update the home office. I worked with an interior designer. And of course she was like all about letting me do my feng shui in the home office. I figured my husband works from here. It's in our wealth area. Let's just update the home office and see what happens for us. So we invested in the whole project. We wrote our intentions on the wall. Um, the wealth area is activated by the number eight. So we wrote eight intentions each for like the abundance and the money and all of the things we want to welcome into our life. We, I use, I have a jade green wall behind me, which activates wealth because it has that, that wood element, that money energy. I have a beautiful mirror, which you can't see this beautiful rotten mirror, rotten mirror that has, um, that water energy vibe and it expands the space totally well worth the investment to spend some time quality time. I love this area. Now it's my wealth area. I love it. And so many opportunities. It actually, we did it right before the shutdown in 2020. So it's only been two years and there's definitely been growth and expansion in both my husband's life and my life, as far as you know, wealth in just different ways and areas. So I highly recommend tending to that space because I got certified in feng shui with the feng shui school of Chicago and became a red ribbon professional member of the international feng shui guild, simply because of what I'm doing right now, talking with you, Pippa, like more than anything, more than doing consultations or anything. I just want to share this wisdom with more people because even though it's been around for thousands of years, for many people, it's a new method. And I just, once I didn't come from money or anything like that. So once it started working for me and now I'm 10 years into this, I just feel like, why, why isn't this common knowledge? I feel like more people should have access to it. So it's just such a blessing to be able to talk with you today and to share those three tips. So front door, bed in the command position and wealth area. Those are the three. I love those. I've definitely taken them with me after this talk. One thing I wanted to mention was I resonate with like you wanting to love the space because I'm actually sat in my partner's office right now. My office is in the dining room kind of slash because we have two computers and my desk has to be clear to work or to do anything like he's got all the kids toys on here and little ornaments and things that the kids have made for him so cute adorable I love it when I have my kids I'm gonna be like thanks sweetheart I'm just gonna put this somewhere really special so it's just not gonna clutter on my desk because how I work best and how my energy is best is when I'm not in clutter so if I had a big day of working coming up I need my office like desk to be clear if there's papers all over it and there's just even the house, I have to hoover the house, as you say, vacuum, vacuum the house. I have to clean before I can do anything really substantial. And with you saying about the far back left of the house, the far back left of this house is the shower. And it's my shower, which is really interesting because we have the ensuite and then we have the bathroom. Now, my partner has 
he gets ready in the bathroom where the kids get ready because he's just got all his stuff and I have all my stuff. So he said, you just have the ensuite and I'll have the bathroom with the boys. Cause as you know, boys can be more messy. So I'm like, okay, well you have your bathroom and I'll have my bathroom. So I'm, co- I'm the only person who showers in that shower and that is the far left corner. So I'm thinking, oh, so every time I shower now, I'm going to be thinking of wealth and letting this water just come down on me and shower me with all this, this money and wealth. Thank you. Love that. Yes, definitely use your intention for that. I love it. Yeah, that's what kind of, I, was, I was thinking. The far left is definitely, it's the shower because the shower's in the, the left of the, literally the far left. So I can't, I'm going to go shower after this interview. I'm just going to sit there and let all. <laughs> so, and I don't want to burst your bubble with all of that, but that is, it's so funny because I'm lit. I literally just came out with something. It's called the transformation series. And I go through the main areas to feng shui. And then one of the spaces I cover is bathrooms because bathrooms have the most draining energy. <laughs> and as I told you, water equals money and feng shui. So literally doesn't matter where your bathroom is, it's going to drain. So I would love, I'll give you, I'll give you that course, Pippa, because it's called, it's especially for a feng shui practitioner. If I were to walk into a consultation and if there's a bathroom in the helpful people travel area or the wealth area, sometimes family can also be an issue, but we definitely do something called the sealing of the toilets, which is a ritual to help stop any energy from leaking from that space. So I'll give you the course. It's called, um, feng shui your bathroom, avoid the energy and the money leaks. It's really short. It's like 40 something minutes and it comes with like a checklist that'll help you and you can stop the draining energy. But I still love when you're in there remember it's all about your energy. I love the idea of also thinking about that water and that money pouring down on you. So yeah, thank you. you. Do a little hybrid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm definitely going to, yeah, think about that. And it's like you said, the energy, the intention is the most important part, you know? And I think as well, I'm going to have, you know, I always think about the water, like, like you've probably heard this before when you're in the shower, just let the the water drain away negative things that you no longer want. So I I do do that a lot in the shower. So yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'm just excited. I do that too. So remember how we talked about the three types of energy that impact you, personal energy. That's why I take showers at night as well, because not only meditation can help clear your personal energy, but exactly what you're saying. Like I take my shower at night very seriously because I, I don't think people realize that when you go out into the world, you're picking up on other people's energy or any kind of situations throughout the day, come back with you into your home. And that's kind of, we didn't really talk much about space clearing anything. That's why I was on HGTV, Windy City Rehab, which I don't know if you have that show in New Zealand, but it's a show out in the United States um, where I did a feng shui space clearing to clear the energy with Alice and Victoria. And it just, it really makes a difference when you can light simple things, light a candle to clear the stagnant energy, put out some fresh flowers to replenish the positive energy. Your crystals are going to replenish the positive energy that is going to help with the second type of energy that we work with, which is your environment. But then your personal energy is like taking care of, like clearing that off through the shower, 
with your crystals, whatever you can do. So, and I have to say it now, the third type of energy we work with is the universal energy or the cosmic chi, which influences us all. So that's why in feng shui, I do talk a lot about the moon phases or if Mercury's in retrograde. And ultimately that's why I think I love astrology, but that's kind of like another piece of the puzzle when it comes to feng shui is we do pay attention to all these different moon phases too. Yeah. I think for me, I would just sage the room to clear the energy or I would use the Reiki symbols. So, you know, a lot of the time my Reiki master would say, you know, just you can Reiki the corners and the doorways and things. So that's like the intention of it. So that's kind of really, really good for me. I think I need to do that more actually, especially the Reiki symbols because they're more powerful than you actually realize. So, and especially like with the Eastern kind of, it kind of combines everything. So I'm just yeah, excited. Actually sound, is it symbols as in like an instrument? It's a, just, it's the way you draw the symbol. So you would draw the symbol oh. using your palm. So with, with Reiki, Reiki level two, you're introduced to the symbols. So you could use the symbols, you know, the power symbol, there's the, you know, the, the distant healing symbol. So you could use different ones throughout the house. So that would be quite interesting to see how, how results I get from that as well. Yeah. It's the full moon. It's a good time to try it. It's an extra cleansing energy right now. Yeah. I'm excited to see what's going to happen with what I do with the house now. Like when I'm going to be thinking about feng shui and moving things around slightly. Yeah. I'm excited about that. So last two questions that I ask everyone that I want to ask everyone because it just means a lot to hear people's answers and to see what they, they think. The first question is if you had a magic wand how would you use it to save our planet? Hmm. I have to tell the listeners, Pippa told me this question and I didn't, I, you know, I had a chance to think about it, but it's, it's a great question. And it's, it's hard because it's like, wow, what would be the one cure, right? It's, it's the, if I had a magic wand to, to save, can you rephrase that again? If you had a magic wand, how would you use it to save our planet? Hmm. But the thing is like, you know, for me, I asked the question because saving our planet can mean different to you as it does to me. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is about how Christina thinks the world needs saving. So this is your magic wand. And what, what, what I want to try and do over the next few years, everyone I interview is I want to kind of colorate everyone's answers and see like, you know, okay, so let's put all that together as an intention to, to help yeah. the planet heal. And every single person's different when, and the, the energy is, is part of that. I love it so much. And it just, I don't know why it just like, it makes me emotional to think about, because when I think about saving the planet, I think about, you know, nature mm-hmm. and our, you know, of course our earth, our living plants and our animals and our ecosystem. And then I think about human beings and our spiritual and emotional truths, our spiritual truths, really, but also how disconnected humanity, there's 7 billion people on this planet. And it's like, I just feel like there's such disconnect mm. to, to heart, to what's in our heart and to why we're here and to consciousness. And, you know, Deepak Chopra said, do whatever you can to get closer to consciousness And so I think that that's what my magic wand would do. It would just wash over humanity because I think 
nature has it down. It's like, let's get reconnected with nature. Nature knows it. The seasons change naturally a plant or a tree grows and it doesn't rush. It doesn't ask, why am I not a full blown, you know, why am I not fully blossomed yet? (laughs) You know, where, where are my blossoms? Like, you know, we all want everything immediately and in our timing and we never really got to look at nature. Nature is the queen and the goddess of, of everything. And same with our animals. I remember when we went into the shutdown, I was totally freaking out like the rest of the world. And I was, you know, so upset at everything that was going on. But I remember going out in nature and looking around at the birds and the ducks and the rabbits and thinking how unaffected they were by the shutdown. That was like, they were still living their life and going about their business and just being. So yeah, my magic wand would be to really to, um, to help everyone wake up and be closer to consciousness. Yeah. I love the answer. It's very similar to mine. So I resonate with everything you say, because the Tao Te Ching teaches us about nature, you know, like flowing, like the river and having patience, like, like nature does like patience of, yeah, I'm going to blossom and I'll blossom when I'm supposed to blossom. Then I'll shed my leaves and I'm, I'm not concerned with what the tree next to me is doing and what the flowers below me are doing, even though they look brighter than me, doesn't mean they're any better than me. So I think that's the problem with, I think the world right now is, is like you said, the disconnect between, you know, I'm connected to you and you're connected to me and we're so far away from each other. You know, we all came from this, this source, this energy and we forget that when we're born, unfortunately, you know, we come through to life and then we forget, and then we find bits of that as we go through life. So it kind of leads me on to the next question. Cause you mentioned consciousness is what three things do you think humans can do right now to raise their consciousness? It's another okay, question that's so- like, Whoa, there's so many things. Yeah there's so many things. And I know I don't have to be too long-winded, but it's so interesting that you brought up Wayne Dyer several times in our conversation. And as we were talking about nature, like he, I just saw something where he was talking about the rivers and the valley and how we are just like the water. And if you just stay your course and you just stay low and humble then things and people and everything you will receive and it will come to you as it's meant to, but you like when you stay humble and you stay, you stay low, but okay. To get closer to consciousness, read Wayne Dyer, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah, like let's just, just go <laughs> listen to him talk because he, he was truly my first spiritual teacher. I was 23 years old living in Chicago before I even met my husband And I remember putting in the power of intention. It was like a five or six disc CD series that he sold at at PBS. And uh, that was like my first introduction to the power of intention and and getting connected. So I do think even just like listening to um, your podcast, Pippa, like tuning into spiritual teachers and listening to this type of conversation is going to elevate your consciousness. It's going to raise your vibration. And the second thing kind of builds on that. I talk about this a little bit. I used to talk about it in my guide. I kind of took it out, but I'm just going to, I'm going to share that 
decluttering is more than just from a feng shui lens. It's more than just cleaning up your stuff. It's also being aware of what is it that you're intaking? What are you watching? What are you listening to? What's on your schedule and what can you say no to? And Pippa, I think it was before the interview, you said that, you know, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. Like you just kind of like you, you say yes to what lights you up that gets you closer to your consciousness. That gets you closer to your higher self and your higher calling. When you say yes to things that light you up and it's okay to say no to what no longer serves you. It's okay. And really important actually to not start your day with some of the things on the news. Like I, I, I'm not saying to live under a rock and not be aware, but I do believe that we need to be mindful of what we're consuming to help us be closer to consciousness. So listen to Wayne Dyer, be mindful of what you're consuming. Um, that was kind of like, and the third thing was like declutter your schedule too. I guess I I feel like it was long-winded. I don't know if I could keep going. I feel like I'm giving too much of an answer, but if you want me to keep going, I will. Well, the thing is I could just ask the question, what do you think humans can do to raise consciousness? The reason why I say three is because we're so passionate about what we do. And because we are, you and I, and amongst many others, are raising our consciousness on a daily basis. With Wayne Dyer, there was a talk that he did, and I think it was the I Am Light talk. And it's, I think it's on his course where you buy it on Hay House. And there's a bit in it where he spoke about when you start to reach these specks of enlightenment and you just start to get it and you start to wake up And I remember him getting teary when he said it. He said, it just makes you want to love. It just makes you want to love. And I keep, that's what I've kept hearing in my mind the last few months. And I'll wake up and I just want to love everybody. And I just feel, you'll you'll understand this, Christina, is like sometimes when when I feel that high vibe and energy, which happens quite, you know, it's not every day, unfortunately, but when it does come and I feel, I just want others to feel that way. And I spoke about this when I was in Australia a couple of months ago. I said, I just wish how I was feeling right now, you could feel because it just, you just elevated so much and you have all us again, what have I got to give away? As Wayne says, you can't give away what you don't have. And all I had to give away that day was love. And it was just, I wanted to pour it out to everyone. And if more of us could be that way, it, I just you know, the world would just be completely different. And yeah, like the consciousness thing is, there's so many things you could do. So I think that's why I kind of say, give me three things because we're, we're so passionate about it. We could talk, it could be a the, the actual a podcast episode could be what are things humans can do to raise consciousness. And you could talk for like an hour. So yeah. It's well, just- if, if you don't mind me adding, I, I love what you just shared and what you said. And I think, you know, if I were to really add a third thing, I think meditation is my happy place. And I do a lot of Gabby Bernstein's guided meditations. I tend to just love her style and the way that she leads you um, through the whole process. I feel closest to consciousness in those moments. And I think that the thing that 
really is so challenging is just the duality of being here on this earth plane, right? It's like, you can be in your happy place, be in meditation, be on that meditation pillow and build up your spiritual muscles and get closer to consciousness. And then it's like, you go out in the real world. Right. And I think that's the real, that's the real boot camp, right? It's like, how can we bring this light? And like, with all of the obligations that we have in our life and like, the, the things that we truly need to do for survival, you know, like people don't really realize this, but not only am I a mom to two young kids, but I also work full-time in a public school district. And so when I tell people that I do that, they're like, oh wait, you don't do full-time feng shui yet. And I'm like, no, not yet. And it's so interesting because talking to you, Pippa, having this conversation, like I could absolutely make this my life work and it just lights me up so much. And it just brings me so much joy. Um, and I just want that for more people. I want, you know, I'm leaning into this more, but I'm also doing all these other things, you know, and I want people just who are listening, who hopefully feel lit up by this podcast and by listening to this conversation. I do believe that one of the greatest gifts that feng shui has given me is clarity on my life purpose. And I feel like I expand more and more, the more I lean into it. And I just want to encourage anyone who's listening right now, whatever brings you joy and whatever your passion project is, or whatever it is, that's on your heart. I just want to encourage people to keep doing that because I believe that if there were more people that kept showing up, just like you are Pippa, and there's more people that keep showing up doing their passion projects and leaning into what make, brings them joy, this world will transform and it will shift. And you do make a difference when you elevate your energy, you make a difference and you influence and impact others and you don't even realize it. Wow. We can finish on that then, can't we? That was amazing. Yes. I know it's totally resonate. And I think that's why we do what we do. We're just we're causing that ripple effect, you know, and you don't realize how divine you are and what, you know, unique you are and what you have to offer, you know, who you, who's listening right now, you needed, what you do is needed, whatever it is that you do when your purpose in life, it's, it's your purpose. It's what you're meant to do. So again, hell, like I'm keep thinking, I say, hell yes. That's what I keep thinking now, like for saying things, if it's not a hell yes, I won't do it. So mm-hmm. yeah, make sure it's a hell Good. yes. That's kind of like the, the conclusion of our talk is a hell yes. <laughs> For sure. Do what lights you up because that's what you're, I always say this too, that your dreams were given uniquely to you because you were meant to fulfill them. Yeah. And it goes right along with Rumi who says, what you seek is seeking you. Yeah. So those dreams are special. They're unique to you, whatever it is, whether it's to get married, to have children, to start a new business that dream is there because you're meant to fulfill it. It's part of your Dharma. So follow that dream. Yeah. Thanks, Christina. So I'm going to put your links on the show notes so everyone can find you. And then the 101 document as well that people can get, because that'll be really helpful for them. Perfect. Thank you, Pippa. I would love to see anyone just, you know, go slide in my DMs. Let me know if you listened. It would be awesome to to meet your audience and to hear that you, that you learned from, or just that you heard met me through this. I yeah. cool to know. Thanks so much. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth 
and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.